Uh, good morning again, everyone. Um, Pastor Gerald, uh, of course, uh, can't be here today. He's uh, ill, and uh, I, I ask that everyone keep him in their prayers. It's a pleasure for me to be here today to speak to you all. And it's a pleasure to be here on Father's Day. The song that the worship team gave uh, uh, on the Chris Tomlin song is my, one of my favorite songs. And I actually got a little choked up listening to it because God is a good, good father. Uh, there's no better father, and he's all our father. Uh, he loves us more than we can comprehend, and uh, we are precious to him. And it's such a blessing to have such a great father as our father God. Well, um, I'd like to start us out in, in prayer, and uh, let's go to the Father. Thank you, Lord for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Thank you for loving us so much you sent your son Jesus here to die for us, to cleanse us with his precious blood, to cleanse us of all of our sin and declare us righteous in him. Lord, I pray that uh, we hear your voice today, Lord. I pray that you speak to our hearts, Lord, that we may learn maybe something that we didn't know before, Lord. Lord, I pray that we draw closer to you, Lord, and that we follow you and look to you for everything in our life. I pray that you fill our hearts with your great love, that it overflows to others. We may show others who Jesus Christ is. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, uh, you know, I, I'm a, a chaplain, so I go to a couple different businesses. I'm part of their employee assistance program. I talk to approximately 40 to 50 people per week. And also involved in uh, jail ministry in Dunn County and Clare County. And the Lord has shown me a lot of things about himself and about people. And uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that most of the people tell me they are, they are Christians. And uh, God knows their heart. I, I don't know their heart. I'm sure most of the people are. Maybe almost all of them are. I don't know. God knows their heart. but. Uh, you know, they all have something in common, whether whether they're Christians or whether they're unbelievers. And they want to live a victorious life here on earth. And uh, first slide here. Okay. And as Christians, we want to live a godly life. And... I want to ask you all this question. Do you want to see more of God doing great things in your life? Do you all want to see that? I know I do. Uh, he's our Father, and, and we're created to be dependent upon Him. And you ever think about why we sometimes don't see God working in our lives. Many, I would say many years ago, and I had this mixed up perception that once I was saved, I had my ticket to heaven, which is true. But I thought there wasn't much more to the Christian life than that. And I see that in a lot of people. Um, and I was definitely wrong. God wants to have that relationship with us here on earth 
eternity with him starts the moment that we receive him as our Lord and Savior. And one of the common threads that I see amongst a lot of people I've talked to, whether they're, you know, I'll, I'll say the Christians I talk to, and uh, is that there's a still somewhat of a, say, rebellious nature about us. And definitely in the unbelievers, it's, it's, it's obvious. But we also struggle with that as Christians. We like to do things our way. You see that in, in little children when they're born uh, and growing up. They only eat when they want to eat. Certain things that uh, they don't like to eat and they won't eat them. Uh, they get a little older, they won't put their toys away a lot of times, right? Um, they sleep when they want to sleep. But that sort of carries over to some degree uh, in our adult lives. And we don't really know many times what's good for us. And because of that, because we want to do things our way, not God's way, it opens the door to problems in our lives. And the people I talk to that struggle, and believe me, uh, pretty much everyone has some kind of struggle, uh, usually more than one. There's usually extreme struggles within families. Um, God is the only one that can help us overcome those problems, work through those problems. But we do, we open the door usually most of our problems, not all of our problems. And, you know, we have, we, we do things like uh, we eat too much. Uh, you know, uh, some people struggle with alcohol and drugs, um, struggle with gambling, pornography, and other things. And uh, it's because we're not following and looking to the one that we, that's going to lead us to live a victorious life. I'd like to give you an example of this um, in the, the Bible. Of course, we know Adam and Eve, they, they displayed a rebellious spirit, right? God told them not to do one thing, not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did they do? They, they ate from it. And uh, sin came into the world. And uh, another example, there's a lot of examples in the Bible, but one that, that I think really shows a lot about humanity is when very, very, uh, very many years ago, of course, the Israelites were imprisoned in Egypt. And, and most of you all know the story. God delivered them from slavery in Egypt, and uh, he helped them over escape. He did a lot of miraculous things, 10 plagues to convince Pharaoh to release them. He uh, parted the Red Sea so they could uh, uh, flee from the Egyptian army. He destroyed the Egyptian army. It goes on and on. He gave them manna from heaven every morning in the desert wilderness. He showed them over and over how faithful he was to them. They followed the the, the pillar of smoke during the day and uh, during the night they had the pillar of fire 
God was represented by that. He was there. So they, they saw that, but they disobeyed continually. And uh, you know, like they made a golden calf, they worshipped it. Uh, all these struggles, all the times they disobeyed God, God pardoned them, forgave them. And the goal was to help them get to a promised land called Canaan, a land of milk and honey. So when they got on the boundaries of Canaan, God, or uh, of course God had uh, made Moses their leader, God um, had told them that this was their land. So Moses sent a group of spies, 12, into Canaan. They went for 40 days, done a reconnaissance of the area, come back, and uh, I'd like to read what 10 of the 12 spies said. Now, keep in mind, God told them that this was their land and he would work through them to conquer the people of that land. And he had already showed them many, many miracles and showed them how much he loved them. And this is what basically 10 of the 12 spies said. It's in Numbers chapter 13, verse 32. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. So obviously these ten people were intimidated. And it also says in the Bible that there were many fortified cities in Canaan. So they were believing what their eyes showed them, not what God was telling them, even though they'd seen God create many miracles. And there was two people that uh, believed in what God told them and wanted to follow him. That was Caleb and Joshua. And this is what the people of Israel said after they'd heard the reports from the, the ten. It says in Numbers chapter 14, verses 2 through 5, their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. So they wanted to get rid of Moses and Aaron who had led them through all this long journey to get to Canaan. And they wanted to stone Caleb and Joshua, it says in the Bible, because they wanted to go follow what God wanted them to do, and conquer the, the, the people of Canaan, and then move there. So God has a plan. He had a plan for these people, a miraculous plan, a, 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 a great plan, but they didn't want to follow the plan. They didn't want to go along with him. And uh, this is what the, the Lord said afterwards. Then the Lord said, it's in Numbers 14, verses 20, through 24. Okay. Sorry, I got out of sequence there. Uh, then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you have requested, but as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. They have all been glorious. They, all, they have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, 
They have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. And also, uh, Joshua also had similar views to Caleb, and he had confidence and faith in the Lord. So after 40 years, all these people that were 20 and over uh, passed away, except for Joshua and Caleb. So everyone under 20 years old and Joshua and Caleb end up going into Canaan, following the promises of God because they had faith in God and listened to God. And when I look at back, you, know, you might think that it was a punishment, which I think it, it partly was, these people not going into Canaan. But I think a lot of it, God saw that they weren't going to listen to him and follow his guidance, so it would have been a disaster if they'd went into Canaan because more than likely they wouldn't have followed what he told them to do, and he knew that. So that's, that's my own opinion why I think he kept them there for another 40 years. You see, God has a plan for each and every one of us, a good plan, a plan that is better than we can imagine. All we have to do is follow him. But at most of the time, we want to do things our way. And he tells us in the Bible how we can actually see him work in our lives, do great things in our lives. And he tells us in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. So we have to realize that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and present everywhere. And, of course, we're not. Okay? We're his children. He is everything to us. He's, he's created us. He's provided every good thing in our life. He's a source of all goodness. And we have to realize that and humble ourselves to him and look to him for everything. Here in another verse, he tells us, he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. This is in James chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We have to realize that there are many things in life that we don't know. God knows everything that's going on. He knows the future and the past. He knows it all. We don't. We only have a very limited view of the world. We, we only see the world in a very small microcosm. He sees the whole thing. He knows what's best for us. So we need to humble ourselves to him and listen to him. The key to a victorious Christian life is surrendering to him. It took me a long time to learn that. You know, I, I, I've got sort of a hard head. And I, it took actually decades after I was saved, and I'm not proud to say it, that I needed to surrender my life to him because that's the only way that I can have peace in life. That's the only way I can serve him. That's the only way I can have a victorious life in Christ. He tells us in James chapter 4, verse 7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So 
it sounds easy, and it, it actually is. We just have to surrender to God and put our feelings aside, make him number one. And when we do that, God's spirit will flow freely into us, push out all the sin, and he'll fill, it, fill us with power to overcome all sin and Satan. We need to surrender to him every day and be obedient to him. You know, the Bible says that we are just fragile vessels. Okay, We're just a conduit that God can work through. The thing is, we can't block that conduit. We can't block basically that pipe that God flows through us. You know, if we block it, there's going to be things happen that we don't want to happen. And when we, we're we're free and open to God, he'll work his perfect plan through us. It goes on into uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, the same similar theme. It's, uh, in verse 1 it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So right here, he's telling us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God, okay, which is our reasonable service. Christ gave his life for us so that we could live eternally with him, so that we could have our sins forgiven, be righteous in him. So it's only reasonable that we give ourselves over to him. And he doesn't want us to be conformed to the world be, or be molded by the world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. God wants to renew our minds, he wants us to think like his scripture. He wants us to have a mind of Christ. And if we open ourselves up to that, give ourselves over to him, and read his word because God mainly speaks to us through his word, that will happen. God is sincere. He can't lie. He can't be nothing but good. So we need to look to him, depend upon him. Because he, his promise is that he will work through us, and he will renew our minds. Okay, a, a, another aspect that will help God, I shouldn't say help God, will allow God to work through us, because he always wants to work through us. He always wants to do, do the best for us. It's in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, follow, take up my cross daily and follow me. He wants us to crucify our flesh, in other words, the sinful part of us. Make him number one and, and put others before ourselves. When we make him number one in our lives, we'll see our lives turned around, we'll be at peace, we'll live glorious life and be a witness to others.
God's a gentleman. Okay? He gives us all free will. He gave Adam and Eve free will. Okay? He wants us to love him freely. He allows us to do what we want. And that's the only true way to show someone love is to allow them to have free will and to love you freely. But with that, God leaves it up to us whether we want to be close to him or not. He said he's a gentleman. He tells us that in James chapter 4, verse 8. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. You know, he's telling us right here that this is a this is a big key in life. If we draw close to God, he'll draw close to us. In fact, he'll draw closer to us. And he doesn't want us to be loyal to anyone other than him. He doesn't want us to be loyal to the world because the world isn't of him. And this is this is why I believe that God has done all the things that he has for us. You see, God wanted a family. Okay? He wanted children to love on, right? And in John chapter 3, verse 16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. Okay? That eternal life not only includes us living with God forever in heaven, but it starts right here. And eternal life is actually a relationship with him. He tells us that in John chapter 17, verse 3. Uh, on the screen here, you've got the New uh, Living uh, uh, Testament. Um, it's a very good translation, but in this instance, I, I like the New King James Version just a little bit better, and I, that's what I'm going to read here. It, it tells us in John chapter 17, verse 3, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So right here, this is eternal life that they may know you. In the Bible, the word K-N-O-W, K-N-E-W, means a little bit different than what how we use it today. It, it, uh, we use it a lot just to mean we're aware of someone's presence, right? Like, um, like for instance, myself. I know the person speaking right now, his name is Mark. I may not know him. Uh, but but I know I'm aware that his name is Mark. That's not the way it's used in the Bible in most places. What it actually means is, in, like in Genesis chapter four, it's it's used like this. It basically tells us in chapter four that Adam knew Eve, and she conceived a son. Okay, obviously Adam had an intimate relationship with Eve physical okay God wants to have an intimate relationship with us but not a physical one but a spiritual one an even closer one that's the way it's used here so eternal life is that we that that we know him in other words that we have an intimate relationship with him okay any you know this is father's day and uh, happy father's day to all the fathers out there God is the greatest father. And any father knows, and everyone knows this, that if a father loves his children, he spends time with them. 
He wants to have a relationship with him. That's the same as our godly father. He wants to have a close, intimate relationship with you every day. Absolutely every day. You might say, well, well, how do I do that? How do I have this relationship with God? Well, there are multiple aspects to that relationship. One is, is to read his word. And I would recommend read it daily. Set a time, aside time to read his word. Go in a quiet place where there's no interruptions. And, you know, I know people live, live busy lives, but I think everyone can spend at least 15 minutes at some point in the day at a quiet time. Maybe when you first get up in the morning or before you go to bed at night or whatever works for you, spend time with him. Read his word because God speaks through his word to us. And I, I'll, I'll prove this. I'm sure everyone here has read God's word. And when you read God's word, something jumps out at you or something touches your heart, that is God speaking to you. Okay? That's the way you get to know who God is. That's the way you know who you are in Christ. Another aspect is to pray to Him. He wants you to pray to Him. He wants you to ask Him for things. He wants to bless you. You're precious to Him. I'll tell you how, how precious you are to Him. Okay? He sent His Son to die on the cross for you. And you think, I've thought about this before, how precious is Christ? How much is he worth? He's worth more than we can imagine. He's worth more than everything, right? But he died for you. That's what, how much God thinks of you. That's how precious you are to him. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to help you. And just talk to him. He's your friend. You know, if you're saved and born again, the Holy Spirit lives in you, with you 24-7. Can't wait to spend time with you. Can't wait to work for you can't wait to teach you things. We just have to be open to it. We can't, we can't let the world distract us. And, you know, I, I know um, uh, you all have jobs, and you're busy during the day, and, and you have to concentrate on, on what you're doing, right? But when you get time, spend time with him, and, uh, and please spend time with him every day. And something else that, that the Lord showed me as far as relationships go is serving him. I think that's part of the relationship because that's how he's brought me closer to him is through serving him. He showed me a lot of things about himself while um, talking to others about him, serving him. And when I was a young man, I, I was really into adventure, uh, into excitement. And uh, I didn't think I was saved, but I didn't think exciting, all that Christian life didn't seem real exciting. It was like something that I needed to do. But I tell you what, by serving God, it's more exciting. I, I used to whitewater kayak. I've jumped out of airplanes. I've done a lot of, a lot of things <laughs> to, to get a thrill. But the biggest thrill I've ever had is serving God, uh, leading people to Christ, seeing God heal people miraculously. There's nothing more exciting than God. There's nothing more exciting than living a, uh, a Christian life. Okay, and you know, when we're when we're saved and born again, we want to change our ways to His ways, and and He tells us that. Repent, therefore, it's in chapter, Acts chapter three, verse nineteen, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And repentance, some people say, well, it's a godly sorrow. Well, 
you know, if you're a Christian and uh, and you've committed a sin, you're you're sorry for it, right? That just comes along with it. But repentance actually means to change your ways to God's ways. He has better ways than what we have. So he wants us to repent, change our ways to his ways, and look to him, focus on him. God is the source of all goodness. The more of God that we can get into ourselves, the better our lives are. You know, I used to do some programming. I, in, a, in another life, I was an electrical engineer. And one of the things I did is program computers, control manufacturing process. And we had this term called GIGO, garbage in, garbage out. If you programmed the computer wrong, it wasn't going to work right, your output was going to be wrong, you were going to get garbage out. Well, um, I like to look at it in a different perspective. I like to look at it as good in, good out. Because when we put more of God in us, it's all good. Good's going to come out of us. Nothing but positive is going to come out of us when we have a relationship with God, we get his word into us, we get his goodness into us. And this, these are my favorite verses here, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understandings. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. You know, if the Israelites had taken this into account, they would have went into the land of Canaan 40 years earlier. You know, we need to trust in God, seek his will, and follow the plan that he's prepared for us. Because, like I mentioned earlier, he has a perfect plan for each person here. Okay, We, we don't want to throw a, a wrench into it because God wants to work through us. We have to open ourselves to him and surrender to him every day. And this is very true in, in Romans chapter 6, uh, verse 16. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So when we obey God, follow him, we're living the plan that he has for us. And it will be, uh, the plan will lead to great, victorious life. Okay, in, in, in summary, how can we do great things how can God do great things in our lives? We need to humble ourselves to him and realize he is God. He knows better than what we do. We need to surrender to him and allow him to work in us and through us. We need to have that intimate personal relationship with him every day so we can find out what the next step is in our plan so we can worship him praise Him, glorify Him, and it will help us know how to serve Him. We need to repent. We need to change our ways to His ways. We need to seek and trust Him always. Follow His leading and be obedient to Him. Okay. I'd like to say a prayer for those who don't know God, who haven't received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I know many of you here have, but if you haven't, uh, please pray with me this prayer. 
And also, you who are online, please do the same if you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for your great love. Please forgive me of all my sins. And I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross and rose from the grave. I now receive you into my heart and life. I want to follow your ways, not my ways. And I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Well, um, please look to him every day of your life. Thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure to share God's word with you. Um, I'd like the uh, worship team to come up and uh, play uh, one last song. And also, I'd like the uh, prayer team to come up. If anyone would uh, like prayer, uh, they'd be more than happy to pray with you.